I'm your host, Jeff Woods. Today... Hold on, let me finish recording this podcast intro. Can I come, can I record this real quick and then come to you? No, first you have to come, it's an emergency. It's an emergency. I'll be right back. This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. For real this time. This is a new episode format that we are releasing to you. For a long time, Jay and I have been having conversations and he said, what do, why don't we do a podcast called Q and J where people can send in their questions and we can answer them. And for a long time, we, we kept it on the back of our 411 as a 20% that we might earn the right to have conversations about. And with everything that has happened with COVID-19, we know that so many of you have questions and we figured this was a great time to try this out. So we would love to hear your feedback on if this is a type of episode that you would like to hear more of because we're in the business of serving you. You're our one thing. So we hope that you enjoy this conversation that Jay, Kaylin, and I have and share with you today. And we also want to let you know that practically, we know that many of your worlds have been disrupted. And I think some of the best advice that we could give you would be to look at the goals that you had for this year and give yourself permission to reset your goals. The world has fundamentally changed and the people who felt an immense lack of clarity or lack of control found it by wiping the slate clean and casting a vision for a shorter period of time. We did this for our business. We, we did a new GPS for just 90 days and that GPS informed our 411s and we are executing against that throughout this quarter. And it's just really narrowed our focus and maybe this is not so surprising our results are actually even better. Hmm. Focus on fewer things, do them really well, and you you actually achieve more. Somebody should write a book about that. Yeah, we're, we're practice leaders. We're on our own path of mastery. If you would like some support with this, if you head over to the onething.com slash training, that is our training page that will feature. We have a master course, a goal-setting master course that you can go through. We are also having a tremendous number of organizations reaching out to us, having us do this for them virtually. So we have lots of options and ways to serve you throughout this. Head over to the onething.com slash training and you can learn more. With that, let's get into our first episode of Q&J. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. One of the questions that has come up a lot in our community over the last few weeks is, and it's come from different people in different ways, but Lysis asked it in a way that said, how do I stay positive and productive under so much uncertainty? Well, 
fear of chaos, we talk about that being one of the productivity thieves in the one thing. And the first one is actually the inability to say no. And the second one is fear of chaos. And I've always maintained that that was a personality test. If you're very people-oriented, you struggled with saying no. And if you like control of your environment, if you like things to be just so, fear of chaos is yours. And so I think a lot of people, and I'm in the camp of chaos, right? That is my my jaws, my, you know, whatever Grim Reaper character you want to draw up for me, it's loss of control. And a lot of us are feeling it right now. And so most psychologists kind of advise when you are feeling like you're losing control of the unknown. I think I actually heard Brene Brown talk about this, is name it. Go ahead and acknowledge the fear. A lot of times we have anxiety and it's around something that we haven't really identified. And if we can just identify that thing, oh, what I'm really scared about is the uncertainty. Maybe I'm uncertain that maybe I'll get laid off. Um, I can't control that thing. I can't control how they would treat me. I can't control where the market will go for my business or for my job. And just acknowledging that, maybe writing it down, gives you a lot of clarity. And now you have a name for that fear. And if you want to be really goofy, like if I was teaching a kid, I'd say, let's just call it Larry or let's call it Herman or let's call it something, right? Just give a name. So we have it. Or you can just call it what it is. Hey, I'm fear of the uncertainty around this crisis. Now you can acknowledge it when it shows up and start avoiding it. What are the things that trigger it? What are the things I can do that make myself feel better about it? But I think so much of what people are feeling is because there is all of this unknown and all of this out of control. And we haven't really stopped to put it in a box and say, okay, fundamentally, what I'm afraid of right now is that I don't know and I can't control. That's two things. Now, can I be aware of that and control my environment a little bit? That's, that's the first place I go, Kalen. Yeah, one of the things I, I have seen in the community is people saying very specifically, my business plan for the year is out the window. Or... I had my rhythm for time blocking. I had my bunker. And now my bunker is blown up every day by my kids. And one of the things that I've seen help a lot of people in the community is just going back to the focusing question. Folks, you cannot control your environment right now. You cannot control what is happening in the economy. But to be able to ask, what is the one thing I can do? Such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. In all that chaos, in all that uncertainty, you can ask a big question and search for an answer and go really love small. That. I love that, Jeff. That's great because that was the second half of the question. How do you stay positive, right? And I think that's just to me, let's acknowledge what we're feeling. Let's give it a name so we can track it. And then productive, um, absolutely. The focusing question guides us to what we can actually control. And there are lots of things that we can control, right? How are we spending our time? Where are we? getting our news from and how much are we exposing ourselves to? Are we managing how we eat right now? Are we managing the people we're talking to? Are we isolating ourselves? Or are we using this as a chance to maybe reach out to more people? There's a lot of things we actually have control over right now. And there's actually probably some blessings hidden in this. The family time, the fact that we're all cooking meals instead of ordering out, right? There's probably some things in there that we are controlling that are actually moving in a positive direction if we just pay attention. Yeah, one thing I've as I've been thinking about it for myself, I've kind of taken myself off the hook for being positive, like sunshine. Like I don't need to have the glittering like pep in my step that I used to have, but gratitude has been a grounding force for me. Like I can be grateful for what I have and I can acknowledge that 
like these meals that we're making. What a gift to be cooking together and these virtual dinner parties I've had with my family across the country. Like we never did that before. And so having gratitude for those small things that have shown up in this in this situation has been the one thing that I can do. Love that. And gratitude's huge, right? I mean, and there's so many things like if you live in a home where you can actually, you know, actually shelter in place, it's nice. I mean, there's so many things that I think a lot of people are taking for granted right now that if we pause and maybe build a gratitude habit, maybe that's a great 66-day challenge for people just to restore their positive mindset and remind themselves that there's a lot of things to be thankful for right now. Yeah, one and of the I, questions. And I'm, I just the last thing, I want to agree. It's not the time to be Pollyannish either. This is real and we have to acknowledge it. And it's okay to be a little afraid, um, a little frightened. But we also can be realistic about it and resourceful in how we approach it and grateful for what we do have. Yeah, I wanted to add the question that I keep asking myself is what did I take for what did I take most for granted before this time? And what am I most looking forward to in the future? And how can I balance that gratitude with what did exist and what I want to build? That's been really empowering. I got a chance to um, talk to our staff the larger staff at Gary's company. And one of the things that struck me is that we went through a, the Great Recession. You know, started in 2008. Um, it hit real estate the hardest of about any economy. And we navigated it. And what, right there in the middle of the little talk I was doing, I remembered all the young people that I was working with. We all got our leadership positions at that time. You know, my friend Ellen Marks, now Ellen Curtis, right? She got her first leadership job. JP Lewis, so many of the people that we now think of as executives, that turn of events allowed them to step up. It gave them the opportunity to step up and bring value where they hadn't had that opportunity before. Um, It's the same for a lot of businesses. A lot of businesses are now being forced to try new things and they may not go back to the old ways. So there is an opportunity here in how we choose to behave and how we tend to show up for the people counting on us, the people on our teams, and our customers. Agnes from our community asks, how do you reset your priority? When you go from thriving to surviving mode, how do you deal with that setback? I think that's the right question to be asking right now. The reset button. You know, We've been using the word pivot a lot in our organization. How do we pivot? And it's not a new question. In our community, we've been teaching and we've been using the word reset a lot, right? Sometimes we started out the year with a certain set of goals. Life never just gives you like a paved path to walk down, right? It's always going to throw something at you. And a lot of times by mid-year, we formally ask people to do a reset. What, which of your goals are working well? Which are not doing well? Based on what is happening today, how should you reset? Because usually in the middle of the year, you still have six more months of runway to try to make as much headway as you can, even if it's a 180 for you. So the idea of resetting has been around for a long time. Um, it's one of the reasons big companies, you know, they look at their goals every quarter so that they can have a next... like Should the next three months be in the same direction or a new direction? But change management is hard. And I think it's made even more hard. It's more difficult in times like this because we have all these other things happening, right? We have our kids sheltering in place with us. Maybe we're worried about our aging parents. So we have a little bit more on our plate, maybe a lot more on a plate than we normally do if you're homeschooling your kids. But to reset your priority is a choice, right? I think you have to, one, acknowledge reality has changed. Where I thought I was going may not 
be viable any longer and I need to assess the situation. And one of the things I've been having conversations with people, and Jeff, I'd love to hear what you're hearing in your conversations with our members and Kaylin too, but sometimes maybe we need to shorten our timelines. Let's focus on, again, what can we control? Maybe it's the next seven days. Maybe the next 14. Maybe it's the next 30, 60, or 90 days. There is an avenue where we can back up and say, I may not know what's going to happen in 2020 because things are changing too fast. But I can ask the question, what do I need to do in the next seven days? What do I need to do in the next 14, the next month? Right. So maybe change your time dimensions in terms of, I need to reset, I need to refocus and ask a different question. What's the one thing I can do this week such that by doing it might get me back on track for my goals or set a new direction for me? Ask a different question, but I definitely think shortening the time frame gives us a lot more clarity based on the kind of uncertain times we are, we're in right now. To answer her question, just from my experience, I mean, Jay, we had R411 when all this stuff really hit the fan. And you said, I am divorcing you from your current GPS. All the financial commitments you made for the year, you are off the hook. It's out the window. Your GPS, as we know it, is dead. And it was very direct language like that. And it, at first, I was like, but wait, what do, you, what do you mean? Oh, oh, that's all out the window. I yeah. had not really internalized that and accepted it at that point. And I think that's the first part of it is realizing we've all come into this year and we're still seeing it where people are treading along, acting like their plan is still the plan and not acknowledging that it, it is dead. It's time to look up and cast a new vision. Yet, like you said, in terms of the timeline, we have no clue what life is going to look like at the end of the year. We've got, a, at least in our business, we got a pretty good sense of what 90 days looks like, though. So let's get our GPS in place for the next 90 days and ensure everybody's clear on what their priorities are. And let's run. You know, if the sun comes out in 30 days, I'm going to go back to my original GPS and say, what percentage of this is still absolutely something we can try to achieve this year? But until that happens, why would I pretend that that was still in play? So yeah, I think it is okay to just acknowledge, say, look, what I thought was going to happen is not going to happen. So let's just reset right now. I think the second part of Agnes's question is, how do we go from thriving to surviving mode? Um, we've been doing tons and tons of training around this. We've been doing it on our team. We've been doing it uh, on a corporate level um, and to our whole community. I think one of the first things when you go from thriving to surviving, um, as a business person, right, your income may go down. It may go away. As a, a business organization, your income is likely to go down, be interrupted at the very least, or, or maybe go away for a period of time. So you look up and one of the first things we have to do after we acknowledge that the world has changed and we have to do something different, one of the first priorities of surviving is cutting our expenses. And it's just a great, great, great thing to look at just a few times a year anyway. But if you don't have a P&L to look at, I would say, look at your, your credit card bills. I would look through your bank statements and just go line by line. And when we've been teaching it, Kaylin, we just say there's four categories of expenses. There's the stuff that's absolutely mission critical, right? I cannot live without this. Um, maybe it's your mortgage, right? Maybe it's your um, payroll for your staff that you just absolutely... These are essential employees. There's, that's category one. Category two is the stuff that you really, really don't want to do without. 
And that's a whole other category. Category three, you're like, hey, you know what? I can cut this. This is something I can do without... I'm only watching Netflix and Amazon. I'm going to get rid of Disney and I'm going to get rid of my cable package and save a couple hundred bucks a month. I'm going to put one of my cars in storage and only drive one car because we're not supposed to be driving around anyway. And I'm going to save money on my insurance. Those are the easy ones. They're obvious ones. And then the category four, and frankly, we all have it, is what the heck is this? Like We didn't even know we were spending money on it. I saw a lady post in one of our Facebook groups that she had gone into her Apple bill and found over $1,000 in annual charges for apps that she did not know that she was paying for. So there's the, what is this category? So I would say you dive in, you got your one mission critical, the two, the stuff you don't want to do without, the three, I can live without, and the four, I don't even know what it is. Cut three and four today, right? Those vendors will be happy to have you back in a few months if things go the other way. But in the meantime, you give yourself some daylight as a business or as a human being so that if your income does go down, you're not negative all of a sudden, right? You can buy yourself some some runway to ride this out. And the business people that do that tend to be the ones who grab market share on the other side and are best able to pivot, protect their employees, maybe hire talent that's on the market and move forward. That to me is the the survival game plan. Acknowledge it, go straight to your expenses. So Jeff, what's the other thing? Like after you've acknowledged that reality has changed, you've cut all the expenses that you can reasonably cut. Where do you go from there as a business person? You focus on lead generation. You focus on driving top line revenue and acknowledging that, hey, what you had done in the past, uh, it's it's likely going to require you to double down. It's probably going to require twice as much effort and... You still got to do it. Yeah, you've got to do it. And by having conversations with your customers, you're reaching out to your clients, finding out what services they need. Maybe you're just offering help, right? You're not selling. You're saying, Hey, Jeff, um, Kaylin, I was thinking about you. How you're holding up? What can I do for you? I'm an ex business and maybe I can provide you with this. Um, reaching out proactively, you might find out that people all want something that you can actually provide that you've never thought to make a product. And you can give it away to those people who teach you about it and then maybe turn it into a product. A lot of businesses have been surprised. A lot of people just assumed that their business went away too. And they didn't make those calls. I was doing a webinar with my friend James Shaw. And he shared that one of his friends runs a catering company. right? Catering company for weddings and events and all this stuff. right? So what in the world are they going to do? They can't do anything, right? Well... Because James is a coach, he said, you know what? I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and call all of your customers. Guess what? One of them worked with a local hospital. And they were looking for someone to provide food for all of the people working overtime. So because he did lead generate, he got one of probably the only catering contracts that's going to be reliable in that market. And he's helping first responders and keeping his business and his employees. So don't just assume that your business is gone. Call and find out if it, if it really has. You need to know that. Maybe it's moved or maybe there's a whole new segment of the market that's going to show up for you that you never even thought to consider. I want to add to that, Jay, that just even asking what is my business for and who can it serve? Because the people that you've been serving historically, there may be a bigger market out there. And asking those questions and showing up for them, there's just a huge opportunity for learning and for potential growth in the future. That's, that's what you do all day, right? You're on the phone with our community yeah. members and finding out how we can better serve them. That's what makes you so valuable is that's where the rubber hits the road. And is this thing that I thought was valuable, what, how is it showing up in the real world? 
that's how you find out. Absolutely. Latrissa asks, how do I avoid wasting time? I have seen a glimpse of the old me. I'm afraid that I will revert back out of fear. Oh man, that's a good one. I've often said when we've had these public conversations that I am the most productive version of me in an office with witnesses. <laughs> um, when I'm at home, right? This is true, right? It's um, when I'm at home, I'll look up and go, man, Wendy would really appreciate if I did the dishes right now, or if maybe if I did the laundry or worked in the yard for her. And my wife is a lot more important than writing this book, isn't it? And I can rationalize my way into doing all kinds of chores instead of doing my one thing. Um, I don't do that when I'm at work. I don't know why that is. So, Patricia, I'm feeling it too. And I've had to readjust. This is part of the reset. When you're now having to work in a new environment, a lot of the things that have changed, you know, your boss isn't walking by your desk. You know, you're probably doing a lot of your job on your computer, maybe on Zoom calls. You know, the biggest joke going around is, you know, we're doing these Zoom calls and like who actually has pants on and who's still wearing their pajamas, right? Because we don't have to show up quite like we did before. So one, I'm just going to commend you and say, the glimpse that you got means you're paying attention. You realize that you might be reverting back and that's half the battle, is acknowledging that this might happen and then asking, what's the one thing I can do to avoid it? Right? Maybe you need an accountability partner. I'll just throw out some ideas and Caitlin, Jeff, y'all throw it out there too. But maybe there's a partner like going to the gym. You know, if you were going to the gym, I would always ask, will someone meet me there? Because I'm much more likely to skip my workout for me, but I'm really unlikely to leave that person at the gym waiting for me. Um, so find out like what's that trick you can do? Um, is it an accountability partner that you check in with a couple times a day? What did you do? Did you do what you said you were going to do? Maybe it's a reward system, right? If I do all of this, I get to eat that kind of ice cream at the end of the day. That'll make you fat, but you'll be very productive. <laughs> like, what, what are some other tricks, guys? How do, we, how do we avoid reverting now that our environment's gotten thrown upside down? I just keep coming back to habits. And Kaylin and I were talking earlier today about this, Jay. Every single person listening to this is in the process of forming a habit right now. And most of them aren't even aware that they're doing it by default. And they're probably not going to form a habit that is going to serve them having a relationship with their goals. I think when we talk about how do we stop wasting our time, we have to acknowledge that you can spend it or you can invest it. You invest your time when you are clear on a lead domino that if you knock that down, unleashes a domino effect in your life. If you can just get super clear on what that one thing is and go on a 66-day challenge right now, that gives you a sense of clarity. It gives you a sense of control. And when we are all shelter-in-place and more disconnected, we can also do it with others and feel that connection, feel that community. And not only will it serve us while we are at home, it can serve us for the rest of our life. I was going to add to that, Jeff, because... Anytime you experience any big environment change, behavior change, it happens by default. And so what's awesome about that is that your behavior change is actually the opportunity to be proactive and to make changing those habits much easier. But on the flip side, if you lean into those old habits, you are giving yourself a future job when you get out of this and you are going to have to break that habit that you've now formed. So thinking really deeply around like, what is the one thing I can do in this situation that will make it easier or unnecessary? 
So one small thing, it doesn't have to be, I guess there's this craving for us to sometimes get overzealous. We're thinking like, oh, I'm going to write a novel. I'm going to get ripped. I am going to eat healthy food. And while that ambition is awesome, you're also setting yourself up for potential disappointment because that's a lot to change all at once. So find one thing, one small thing and start there. Love that. Adam Wolf has a great question. And I think a lot of us recognize that we need to pivot, but he asks, how do I know the right pivot to take? What tools can I implement today to see the opportunities? I don't know that we ever know for sure that we're ever making the right move in any circumstance, right? What we can do is look to people who have gone before us, right, and model their behavior. It's usually the best indicator, right? Who else has navigated this? Um, who was successful? And what did they do to be successful? It's usually the best indicator. And so, for example, right now, virtually, virtually, I didn't even mean to make the pun, virtually 100% of the workforce has gone virtual. And for a lot of people, that was a complete, completely new adventure. And they're looking to companies like the One Thing community, our friends at Best Self are doing this. There are a lot of companies that have been virtual pretty much the entire time, and they're teaching webinars. So look for people who have navigated what you're specifically challenged with, Adam. They're probably going to be the best indicator of the next right step for you. That's when we talk about great questions and great answers and the one thing, right? One of the ways that we can look for our clues to our one thing is to model success. So that's the first place, like in this first question, how do we know the right pivot to take? What would y'all add to that? I think everything does not matter equally. You look at all the opportunities that are in front of you, you need to put them in order of priority and ask the question, if we really only could do one, what's the one that would make the biggest impact? Should we earn the right to focus on a second? What would it be? Should we earn the right to, to do a third? I mean, that, that, these are the conversations that we've been having inside our organization is looking at all the things we could do, ranking them in order of impact, and also considering what's the cost to implement this? How much time or friction would it take? Can we really implement it and, and to put them in order of priority and then execute? And I would add also just to keep your eyes wide open and be really aware of what's happening so you can take a pulse on whether that pivot is working or not. Because if you pivot one direction, you don't have to stay the course just because you said you were going to do it. If it's not working, then shift, adjust it, make some changes because you will learn just by pivoting and taking action. There's a great quote. Um, it's in a book that I got to write with Gary and Dave Jinks called Shift. And the most successful people are those who are great at plan B. And I believe it was by James Cook. I can't quite remember. But it's just true, right? So you're pivoting. And as Caitlin just said, you may have to pivot again and again and again to kind of find the sweet spot of whatever this new adventure is bringing you. So paying attention is critical. So I've made this change. Is it working? How long do I have to wait to see if it's going to work? Because you don't want to also change willy-nilly. You want to give it a little time to actually make an impact. Am I doing it the best that I can do or could be done? On that process, but asking the question, narrowing your focus, trying out that thing. Sometimes we know our answer. If you don't, go model someone who's gone before you. Um, the other one is what tools. Jeff, I almost jumped in ahead of Kaylin, but I like, I'm so happy that I didn't because I like what she added there. Um, you kind of alluded to it. We did this exercise when we were looking at different programs to implement for this year, and it's just a simple matrix how challenging it is to do something. Like, does this cost a lot of money, a lot of time? And then 
how impactful do we think it would be? You can graph things out if you're looking at several choices and ask the question, this is really, really expensive in time and resources, and it's not that impactful. That's probably not your one thing. I mean, it's a, a simple project ma- management tool that a lot of people use for kind of refining their decisions. A, th- a simple way to put that in, into play is to ask the question on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is zero impact and 10 is the highest possible. How impactful could this be? Give it a number and then ask, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how costly? Would this be to implement cost in terms of time, cost in terms of of money, and rank it? When you do that, you might find something that's a ten out of ten on impact, but it also might be a seven out of ten in terms of cost. When you could deliver an eight out of ten in impact, that's like a one in terms of cost. Okay, well, let's do the thing that we can do that's going to make a big impact. There we go. It just adds that dimension. You've got Pareto's principle in terms of impact. But now you're also saying how hard or how challenging or expensive will it be to implement. So you just get a whole other dimension to give you better priority. And you know what else is interesting? Sometimes you can even just revisit old activities that maybe didn't work before. But right now, I've just talked to a lot of people where they're cold calling. And suddenly, everybody's at home and really excited for human connection. And so that cold calling that they used to get a bunch of voicemails, they're now having really rich and meaningful connections where they're actually building a relationship versus just making a quick call. Yep, that's true. The number one thing that said people won't call their database, they won't call their sphere of influence, they won't be home. When I'm at work, they're at work too. Well, that's not the case now. A member of our community, Anne, she mentioned, you know, I lost my one thing mojo a few months ago and have been struggling to get it back. And now this has happened. So she's trying to find a fresh look at all aspects of her business and devise a strategy, but instead, I'm eating, watching videos with my daughter, eating, dealing with issues at the house, and a lot of snacks. <laughs> quarantine 15, like it's, a snack it's a real thing. It's a real thing. What was that? The quarantine 15 is a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you shared that question with me. And she's in an industry that's particularly hard hit. So I get it. There may not feel like there's a lot to be done. So Anna, I guess the advice I would give you is... This is like an opportunity if you choose for it to be. We all get off track, right? You're on a diet or whatever that thing is that you were committed to doing. Most of my diets get undone by vacations, right? So whatever that thing is right now, we had this horrible health crisis hit, right? And it threw us all off of our rhythm. Um, You were already maybe off of it. This is your opportunity to reestablish a new habit. Um, We've been talking about this together a lot, you know, that this... This opportunity, maybe the greatest opportunity we have to serve our community right now is to point them to purposefully create a habit in the midst of this. Ask the question, what's the one thing I can change about my behavior? One simple small domino I can set into motion that will make this a a more positive adventure for me and my family. And so to consciously choose, you know what? I'm not going to fight all of those things, right? like Maybe you get to keep watching videos with your daughter. Um, and you get to eat three times a day, but not between every activity. Um, and you got your house stuff and you're going to time block that. But what's the one thing that maybe you could launch your days with that would maybe set you on a higher trajectory? Maybe you need to get up and just take a look at your goals. Maybe you need to look up and work on talking to your database and letting them know that you're still there and that maybe you can help them when this thing clears up. Maybe you need to do a gratitude habit like Kaylin referred to in one of our other Q&Js. What is that one thing that you could be doing that might reset your mindset? It doesn't have to be a big thing. Sometimes a small change will kind of set things in motion for you to make a lot of positive change. 
that's exactly why we started doing community-wide 66-day challenges, where as a community, we all synchronize our watches and start a 66-day challenge on the same day, and we forge a habit together because no one succeeds alone. And so if you're interested in forming a habit, just visit theonething.com, that's with a one in the URL, slash habits. And then you'll, you can join us for our next challenge. Which we've asked so many people who have done a 66-day challenge, and you're listening to this, if you've done it, you probably know what it feels like to fail a 66-day challenge. And what shocked us was making one little change, doing a 66-day challenge by yourself to doing it with a community of other people. What percentage of the people finished in the community, Kaylin? Right now, our data says it's 74.5%. That's phenomenal. That is wildly impressive. All right. So I'm sorry. I'm going to geek out on you. In the back of the book, we talk about the impact of accountability. And... Those people who chose to write down their goals, right, were about 35, 36% more likely to achieve it. Those people who had accountability, and back then it was just a weekly update, an email, right, was all it took, they were 76% more likely. So that's right there in that same category, a little bit of accountability, just having a community that you know is counting on you not to quit with them, right? So they're counting on you. That's a huge lift in our ability to move forward on things. And community can come in different forms. We, This community in particular, the Living Your One Thing community, we are connected on a global scale. We have people all over the world. And then we also, if you go narrow your focus to like your immediate community, the people that you're in quarantine with, your kids, how can you bring them into your world as you form this habit? Because, because Anne, if your daughter knows that it's important to you that you form this habit, she will help you succeed. James asked a question that a lot of people are asking themselves and asking their friends, how is everybody managing with their kids at home? That's a huge one. And and depending on your situation with shelter in place, you may or may not, um, one, economically or even situationally be able to bring in help. Like right now, it's not probably the time to have the grandparents dropping in and out of your house since they're at risk. So you can't maybe count on the family help that you might have had. Depending on the quarantine level that you're at, you may not be able to even get any help. So we're lots of us dealing with suddenly becoming our school teachers. One of the things I guarantee will come out of this, there's going to be a lot of love for our teachers because a lot of people are appreciating the job they do every day right now. I think it depends on the age group. So Jeff, you're in this call too. I've got two teenagers. You've got smaller kids. So maybe we can role model. What we're trying to do is keep the rhythm the same. Right, So we try to launch our days with a predictable time. This is the time we get up. Um, This is the time you get to stop working. And we have breaks just exactly at the same times that they did at school. My kids now are doing all of their work on their laptops. Right, They have a computer at home. They were able to bring their Chromebooks home from school. That was one of the last acts. And they're doing all of their assignments virtually. So as parents, um, we're just checking in. They have to leave their devices with us at different times of the day because they might take a video game break and that lasts for a very long time, in my mind, and a very short time to them. (laughs) So we have to be that job of checking in on them. What work did they do? What I guess you start with the day, what work will you do? Check in with them a couple of times throughout the day because my kids are a little older. They don't want to be managed that hard. And then we have to check in at the end of the day to see how they did. And I think as long as they're doing okay, we try to stay out of their hair. If they're not doing well, maybe they have to leave their cell phone downstairs with us or their, right, their personal computer, and we limit some of the access to temptation. So that's how we've been managing it. Fundamentally, you wrap all that up, 
We've tried to keep the same rhythm they had at school. And we've tried to be there as a buffer against them getting really, really distracted. I feel like that's not the same game plan you're having to play, Jeff, since you have much smaller kids, but maybe it is. In some ways, yes. It started with getting a schedule in place. What is, what is the rhythm? So when are we starting the day? When is it school time? When is it recess time? When is it family time? And then it was making sure that when I did my planning time blocks, looking at the schedule and the model we created for our kids and saying, great, I know that it, in these windows, my wife is going to be with the kids doing some type of family activity. I should be present for that. That's when I should take my breaks. And that has been just such a blessing because instead of walking the hallways and chatting with people in the cubicles, I'm engaging with my kids. It's far more rewarding. And then the the second part of it is also acknowledging the support side. I don't know... For those of you, if you have a significant other, whether that person is a stay-at-home parent or whether they're working as well, but just acknowledging that my wife is a stay-at-home mom, it she needs help. You know, the kids are there all the time. That is not her normal rhythm. And for me to have the expectation that I get to be eight to five time blocked the entire day is not realistic. What what can I do to bring support to my wife throughout the day at strategic intervals so that she maintains her sanity and still loves me? Yes. I think if you're um, an employer listening to this, I think this is a really good one to have frank conversations with your employees about. Ask them the question, how are you doing? When is the most productive time for you to be able to work? When are times when it's just not possible? And be a little flexible with your employees. Um, Because it really depends on your situation. If you're a single parent of multiple kids, you've got very little free time right now during the school day um, to do a lot of your work. Um, I know some parents that are tag teaming it. One person focuses on work in the morning and the other one focuses on the kids and they switch at lunch and they try to bring it out that way. And so we're all having a little bit of limited productivity. But as Jeff mentioned, there are some gifts that we get to do a little bit more parenting. We get to interact with our family a little bit more like, how special is it if you were to drop by your kid's school and actually have lunch with them? Well, we kind of get to do that every day right now. Are we appreciating that? But we also need to be, one, give ourselves some grace. And if you're an employer, definitely have this conversation with your team so that you know what they're dealing with and you can kind of be there to support them through this as well. I don't have littles of my own. But as a former teacher, one of the things that I learned was that these kids, they're watching you as you're doing your one thing every day. And I realized like my investment in young people and the influence that I had on them spending all day. Sometimes we were there from 7 a.m. till, you know, after sports, it would already be like 8 p.m. And I thought, I spend more time with these kids than their folks do. And now that's you. You are the influence that they are seeing every day. The way you show up in your job, the way you show up on your Zoom calls, the way you make meals and how you eat meals, what you're putting in your body to fuel it with good things. So just, I guess, just to add on to that gift of spending this time, like, the time that you spend actually working with them to help them with their schoolwork versus just the time that they spend watching you do your work, it's also very important and very valuable to just take note. I love that. That's great. It gives us the chance to be better role models. What a great addition there. 
Well, there you have it, our first episode of Q&J. Folks, if you would like to hear more of this, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. Sincerely, it would mean the world to us. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome to The One Thing. Make sure you are subscribed so all future episodes automatically are downloaded to your device of choice. Again, in these uncertain times, if you would benefit from wiping the slate clean and resetting your goals for the year, head over to theonething.com slash training. You can learn more about the the goal setting master course that we have, as well as what it might look like if you want to do this for your organization, how we can support you virtually right now. We appreciate you and we look forward to being with you in the next episode.